owners of a direct care practice are more likely to experience higher job satisfaction than the insurance-based practice, and it's no wonder why. Direct care is independent of insurance. Patients pay the doctor directly for their expertise. The doctor gets full autonomy in how they care for patients and how they get paid. We've chosen this path for the love of medicine. This is the direct care way. By listening to this podcast, you may even start to believe you too can have a successful direct care practice. Come listen with an open mind as I share my personal journey on how I pivoted from an insurance-based practice to direct care right in the middle of a pandemic and the valuable lessons along the way. This podcast may be the very thing you need to revitalize your medical practice. I'm your host, owner of a direct care podiatry practice, Dr. T. Nguyen. Welcome to episode 12. I have a really fun update. I am fully moved in my second office. And then I quickly realized I didn't want to have two offices, so I'm closing the first one. This is a great move for me because it's closer to home and it's much smaller because I need less in a direct care practice. And overall, this represents an evolution of me and the direction I want to take my company. I've been talking a lot to people who are fed up with insurance practices. They know something's wrong. They're tired. They're burnt out. They're taking charts home on the weekends and the evenings, but they don't know other options. So I shared my story with them and many were inspired, but uncertain. They know direct care makes sense in the grand scheme of things. They say things like, oh, I wish I could do what you're doing. But then they were also asking me, how exactly did I get people to pay for my surgeries that I do? How did patients come to find me? And what do I do if patients can't pay? If you've listened to prior episodes, first off, thanks so much. But you may have gathered that having this direct care practice was kind of my last option. It was my last resort in medicine because I was on the way to bankruptcy when I opened my insurance-based practice. And that was only like a year and a half in to the practice. I was tired, overwhelmed. I hated the hiring and firing process. I didn't have the skills to be an office manager, but that was the role I had to play in my startup. I was consumed in surviving, survival mode, watching over my biller's shoulder, having to train and retrain staff, teaching them how to take care of an insurance call or do insurance verification or prior auths, asking what podiatric services were even covered. You know, and this was all, it just felt like a sinking hole. Even when I got to speaking with professional consultants, they were employing practices that I felt were inefficient, such as dividing appointment times to optimize insurance payments. But in my mind, I wanted to optimize the patient's experience, and often that meant dealing with all of their issues in one visit. I do that in 60-minute visits. I can't do that in a 7-15 to minute visit. That's the kind of doctor that I like for myself, So I wanted my patients to have that as well. So needless to say, traditional consultants were not a good fit for me. So I kept looking. That's not to say they're all bad. It's just to say it wasn't for me. And then I saw a post on Facebook 
in a physician group from a former classmate who was talking about how he went straight to a cash practice right out of residency. So I quickly got on the phone with him. I said, what are you doing? How are you doing it? And it was mind blowing. He said he didn't have a lot of staff, that it was a regular thing for him to answer the phone. And he got paid right away. It was really wonderful. Very low overhead, which also meant you don't have to make a lot if you don't want to. It also meant no accounts receivable, no collections to deal with, no statements to mail out or follow up on. I was floored. So I asked him the same questions. Who taught you all this? And he said it wasn't another podiatrist because there wasn't one during his time, but it was a plastic surgeon friend. He had adopted practices from another discipline and made it his own. And I just love that. So if you want to know who my secret source is, look up Dr. Joe Costello. From another physician group, another doctor said she went into direct care several years ago. And I was like, so you mean concierge? And she said, no, just no insurances at all. Her story was a little different. She started with insurance as well. She's been in practice much longer, but has slowly started to opt out. Now you're going to have to listen to her story because I can't tell it better. So go to my DPC story with Dr. Mariel Conception in episode number 76. Dr. Grace Torres Hodges gives you all of her secrets, her origin story. It's beautiful. It's amazing. So please do that doctor's orders. You just got to listen. So anyhow, you see, I kept digging. I kept looking for people who were doing this really radical thing. And it was like a buffet. I had so much information at that point. I was then able to pick and choose what sounded good to me and then adapt it to my own practice, to the practice that I have today. And it all started with being curious. Now, did I ever say, oh, that can't work for me? Actually, no, because I saw it was working for others. Instead, I was asking, how can I make it work for me? You see, if you ask a question, your brain is going to figure out a way to answer it. So if you're constantly saying to yourself, that's not going to work for me, guess what the outcome is going to look like? It's not going to work for you. Whereas if you ask the question, how can I make this work for me? Then you start finding solutions that you can adapt, that you can take on, and then it evolves. So how can I make it work for me? I actually had this vision of a micro specialty, but I didn't really, I have not found someone doing it yet. Not one person is doing what I want to do, but I'm going to leave this one as a cliffhanger for another episode on what that exactly looks like. So what I'm getting at is there is no one cookie cutter way to do direct care as a specialist or even as a primary doctor. And I use the term direct care because it is tied to a social movement, something bigger than ourselves, than our practice. It is the group of us, basically rebels, who want to strategically shake up the traditional way of insurance-based practices. 
We know we can't change the system individually on our own, but we're going to try to make some movement, some noise, so people, the public, the patients can see that there are options. And for me, I want doctors to see there are options because doctors need to know all the good stuff that's out there that can help them live their practice again that doesn't involve insurance shenanigans. So anyway, people may know a cash practice as concierge care, but it's, it's not really the same. Concierge has a different meaning. It can exist as a hybrid where the doctor is still contracted with insurance, but they add a membership, a retainer fee on top of that. So you can still bill the insurance, but you also collect cash from the member. And this helps increase revenue by controlling the volume of patients. So the per patient value increases and therefore it's not really running on a volume based practice as traditional medicine is. I have colleagues liking this model just fine, both as a doctor and as a patient. Concierge can also mean strictly cash, but the pricing is higher because there's added level of services like home visits or something more non-traditional. So although the terms direct care and concierge care are similar in the way of being less dependent on insurance payment, they are very different. And I choose to use direct care because I'm running with a purpose here. So I'll answer those three questions that have been commonly asked. First off, how exactly did I get people to pay me for surgeries? This started with me just really believing people will pay for what they value. So I have friends who buy luxury purses and I have no clue why they love it so much. I don't have an iota of cell membrane wanting to buy luxury things. That's just not me. And that's okay. And if it's their thing, that's okay too. But they will easily throw thousands of dollars down for these purses. And to me, a purse is a purse. Like get one from Target, I'm happy with that. I got one from Amazon, it's all gravy. But to them, it there is such a weight of value for them that it brings them joy. And that's what they're choosing to spend their money on. For me, my greatest joy is spending money on food. So I can spend hundreds of dollars on food and be completely okay with it. So every individual values something different. That also means there are people who don't really value their health in the way that it would make them pay out of pocket if they have insurance already. And I accept that to be factual. Some people will pay for me and some people won't. I don't argue it. But I do lead with confidence that I have a solution that people are looking for. And I don't sell it like some kind of sleazy car salesman. I'm selling stuff they already want. They came to me with a problem and I have the solution. What also helped me was offering something that no one else offers in my community. And that's the business skill or the marketing aspects that doctors do need to learn on how to refine their message in a way that it just makes sense to choose you as their doctor. And we didn't really learn any of that in medical school or in residency, or in fellowship, or even in our first job. So that's something you have to build on your own. And there are a ton of business books out there 
on learning how to sell your service to patients. So maybe you're in a community like mine where most doctors are spending seven minutes with their patients on average. And when people come to me, they're saying, my doctor didn't spend that much time with me. They didn't explain my x-ray. They didn't explain my pathology. They just wrote me a prescription. I didn't feel heard. So for me, spending 60 minutes with my patients is something that's not available. And that's what people want. So I fill that gap. I also offer procedures that nobody else is doing because insurance doesn't pay for it. But the data is out there that says it's helpful. Patients come back saying it's helpful. So I'm a firm believer of giving patients options despite whether or not their insurance pays for it and let the patient decide what sounds most reasonable to them. The second question is, how, how did patients find me? I feel very fortunate to have connected with another direct primary care office here in town. Their patients are my ideal patients. They know what's missing from the insurance-based practices and wanted more. They value the patient-doctor relationship. They value their time, so they seek expert care to solve their problem rather than wasting time to do it themselves. And these are not all affluent people. They're teachers, they're nurses, they're farm workers, some unemployed, some self-employed. They're just people who value their health and are willing to pay for it. I also have usual marketing campaigns like Google ads, social media, and community connections. So I work very hard to be seen. So it's really not a matter of how people find me, it's how I find them. I go out to look for them. And also I did some math. So my community has 250,000 people. So that's like 500,000 feet, right? And I only need for my practice like 300 people to make it work my way. That's it. So 300 people out of 250,000 people, that's like maybe less than 2% of the population that I actually need to make my practice run well. And that's like being really conservative. I can certainly do more and I plan to do more, but just having numbers put in front of my face made it really, made it really easy for me to understand that, yes, this can work. I just have to figure out the how part. And there's a ton of other podiatrists in my area. I don't ever feel like the market is saturated because the other podiatrists in town, we work in harmony. They're doing things that I don't want to do or I can't do and vice versa. So that's where it's important to know what's missing from the market and build on that. And the last question is, what do I do when somebody can't pay? So I've chosen a micro specialty that is elective. So people don't come to me for an ankle fracture or a motor vehicle accident. They go to the ER where they can get those types of services. So knowing that I was not the only resource in the community actually gave me some relief, a sense of freedom to choose who I can serve. The truth is I can't serve everyone, even those who pay. If they have a problem I can't solve or I'm not a good fit, it's my obligation to send them out to somebody who can. 
If patients are unwilling to pay, I don't make a judgment about that. My prices are clear. It's on my website. I repeat it on the phone and again at the appointment so that there are no surprises. So people know I don't bill insurance way before they even come in. It's not like I've had somebody get the service and then after the facts refuse to pay. That did happen very frequently when I was in the insurance model because the bills would come months later and then people are usually caught off guard or had a change in their financial situation. So they may argue the bill. I never want to send patients a surprise bill. I feel that that's really unfair and unkind. So I don't do it. And I do have big plans for helping the underserved. And that is also going to be on another episode. So I'm really excited about that one. In summary, it's just one step at a time on opening a direct care practice, on learning those business skills. So it's one doctor at a time who's already doing what you want to do. Have coffee or lunch with them. Listen to podcasts about business of medicine. Those are full of free information. Now, what you decide to do with that information is totally up to you. But that's where I started. A lot of podcasts around the business of medicine and direct care. So wherever you are in your journey to direct care, just take a look at my story. There's really nothing special about it. All I did was decided that I was going to find a way to make this work. And two years later, here I am in a brand new office. The thoughts you fill your mind with, books, audiobooks, podcasts, information, this changes you. They may not feel like big, significant changes, but they're very important changes. They're micro changes. And when you decide to take action, that's when you'll really see some exciting changes for yourself. So where will you be two years from now? I would love to know. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please like, share, and subscribe so more people like you can have access to another way of practicing medicine, the direct care way. Let's connect. Find my info in the show notes and send me your questions. It might be the topic for future episodes. And lastly, if you remember nothing else, remember this, you are in control of your life. See you next time.